You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all to the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, episode 221. Boy, this number's getting big. I would like to thank GameMat.eu for supporting the show and Panhandle3D.com for supporting the show. It's 10% off at GameMat.eu with Event 10, and it's 10% off at Panhandle3D.com, and that is Podcast 10. Now, they are giving us a special discount rate at uh, Panhandle3D.com for Shorehammer goers, but... I think that we can share this with the listeners as well, right? And it is SHOREHAMMER in all caps. That is the code for 15% off, not 10. Sorry, this sounds like a sale pitch, but um, it's legit. 15% off instead of the normal 10. And it's good for, I think, the next month and a half. I think he said January 15th. So we'll be mentioning that each week. Now you can get 15% off and free shipping uh, it's like near a hundred bucks or more. It's 80 or a hundred bucks and higher in the, uh, contiguous U S is free shipping. So help our brothers out and buy stuff from them. Anyway, you know, who is also keeping the lights on for this show? The beautiful, the sexy, the bold Patreon patrons. I'd like to thank you all. And I'm very thankful in this Thanksgiving season for my Patreon patrons, as well as GameMat.eu and Panhandle3D.com. So, what's this episode about? Well, we have a Tesseract mailbox from Arnie, and it takes a te- it takes a dark turn real quick. I'll just leave it at that. I'm not telling you what he's even talking about. And uh, you'll want to hear that. Also, we've got the new Cadia Stands box set that we're going to review in Want That or Want That Not. And finally, we discuss a little bit of a hobby corner topic where we came up with the idea for and we made a floating sky islands. We call them skylands. The sky islands board for Shorehammer coming up in this following week. And uh, it's going to be it's pretty impressive. I'm in love with it. It's a really it's a lot of fun to play with. And uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. But we discuss exactly how to build that and how to do it and roughly the cost involved. I apologize if you hear a bunch of rain in the background. It is pouring like crazy and it's been raining all day. So we'll see whether or not this picks up on the mic. But um, I apologize if you do hear rain. Maybe it's soothing. Maybe it'll put you right to sleep. Who knows? What have I been up to? Well, I'm working on Brutal Space a lot. I mean, a lot. Playtesting pretty much every day, yada yada. Um, I've also been working a lot on Shorehammer. So this time of year, I take some time off right before Shorehammer, about two weeks before Shorehammer, and I'm not working too much And with my real job. And I'm painting terrain, and I'm setting up the narrative games, and I'm answering a bajillion emails, and I waded through like 200 army lists for tournaments and narratives in the last week or two so it's it's a lot of stuff going on and uh, lots of things to print out and just nuts in the meantime i got a uh an email from panhandle3d.com uh gregory the owner and he was like oh i'm gonna send you a bunch of stuff for your charity raffle and i'm like oh cool that's nice and he mentioned some stuff and i'm like oh neat well he went crazy for the charity raffle and of course this is not a complaint on my part he he sent so much stuff so i think before i mentioned the like 45 combat gauges with our logos and stuff 
and the dice trays that were custom with our logo and the uh, coffee tumblers and um, the coffee mugs and the 3D printed terrain and oh, terrain tokens, you know, like um, um, scalable and breachable and all that. He sent me multiple bags of these train tokens to identify each one of your train pieces. And that's something that I've heard people talk about for years, that they should have those. And he included them in the charity raffle. So I, I have basically an entire table just from Gregory and Panhandle 3D. So it's I'm very excited about it. And um, there's some terrain that I didn't even know he printed uh, that I will probably be buying in the future from him. <laughs> Maybe this is his sly way of doing that. Like, he's given this to me for the charity, but then he's like, hey, you know, Pimpgron, what about this other stuff? So I'll probably end up buying it. He sent us a bunch of Tyranid-looking terrain, which is really cool. I know you've seen people hand-make it before, where it's those spires that come out of the, the ground, and it's got, like, scales and teeth. It looks really cool. And he sent us multiple of those, multiple buildings and ruins, and I just more things than I can even picture right now i opened the package like a week ago so it's it's just a ton of stuff and i'm very excited for it so hopefully we'll be raising a lot of money for the charity raffle when people see all this different stuff they have um up for grabs and um yeah so thank you to gregory once again um out of all the people that have ever supported the uh shorehammer event this is the most charity raffle support we have ever gotten i mean that's just nuts so I'm hoping that we give them a fat check this year. And that's basically what I've been up to. So let's get on to the next segment. Uh, next week, we're going to play it by ear. You know, my Shorehammer experience Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is, or at least Friday, Saturday, are like 20-hour days or 18-hour days. They're very, very long days. Not complaining at all. But what I'm saying is I may or may not have enough time to record a podcast for next week. So... We'll see how that goes, and um, I'm going to try to, if I can find some time this week, I'm going to try to pre-make some show for you for next Monday and just schedule it for next Monday if I can. But like I said, this is like pretty much non-stop, Brutal Space and Shorehammer, and of course I have my normal duties at work, my real job, but you know how it goes. Anyway, uh, don't take Arnie's advice in the Test Rack mailbox. I'm just letting you know that. I'm forewarning you. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. And it's the Tesseract mailbox. Now, today we have a roller coaster ride of an email, and it's from Arnie, and he's got the most unexpected paint reconstitution method that you've ever heard. And I'm not going to tell you much about it until we read this, but buckle up, kids, okay? And by kids, I mean make sure your kids are not here listening to this, because this is a very strange Tesseract mailbox, and I'll tell you what I think about it afterwards. Let's read it. It's at pimpcron.gmail.com. It's from Arnie. He writes, Hey, Cron, how are you doing? I don't feel like enough people ask you about how you're doing when they email you. You getting enough sleep? Drinking enough water? Do robots really dream of electric sheep? Okay, I'm going to answer all those. Thank you for asking, Arnie. And I'm doing great, sleeping plenty, drinking tons of water, and I do occasionally dream of electric sheep. All right, let's go on. And I I, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, he goes on. 
enough preamble. I'm here for sharing a hobby tip, though I do wonder how you are. I said I'm fine, Arnie. <laughs> Ever had a paint dry out? Now, so far, so far, let me stop right here. I'm like, oh, okay, this is just a, you know, I'm reading this email, and this guy's, Arnie's, you know, asking how I'm doing. It's pretty good, okay? It's going on, going well so far. Ever had a paint dry out? You open a pot of paint, and it's all thick and gross? I accidentally found a way, uh, found a fantastic way to reconstitute your paints when they are almost dried out. And I'm like, huh, okay, maybe he's adding some of that, um, that medium, whatever that's called, that um, GW sells that medium you can add to paint or whatever. And okay, so Arnie's got some sort of hobby tip. This is great. I love hobby tips. Then Arnie continues, and this is where the roller coaster drops straight down. So, so I was yanking the ferret one morning before work, <laughs> unintentionally over a pot of paint that had dried out. Arnie, come on, why are we doing this? Why? He writes, yes, you know where I'm going with this. I had to leave for work in a hurry. Just left it in there because who cares? It's an empty paint pot. Came back later that evening and my um product had disappeared into the paint. I mixed it in and the paint came back rich and vibrant. I guess the little guys broke it up for me. You think I'm joking? Am I though? <laughs> Thanks for a fun show. I'll be surprised if you put it on the air, Arnie. Well, th this okay. Number one, I Arnie, I do not believe you. Frankly, um, I think this is funny, and I think this is a joke. I do not believe you that your product reconstituted the paint. I mean, I guess it's possible, but I am not going to the lab to test this. I'm not going to get me and a bunch of friends, you know, come on over. I won't tell them why. I'll have them over like it's a paint party. TJ, David, Matt, you know, James, and I'll be like, oh, come on, guys. And then I'm going to bring bring out the old Noonie mags. And uh, I'm like, hey, we got to reconstitute some paint, buddies. No, that's not going to happen. I will take your word for it, though, Arnie. I really will, although I think you're joking. No. I'll rephrase that. I hope you're joking because this is more than a little odd. I mean, whatever you do in your personal life is fine, but this is just some things I don't think man was supposed to know. You know, I think you've crossed some sort of line in the scientific field of researching uh, paint reconstitution. And this was a line that God never intended us to cross, Arnie. Okay. And if it worked, and your paint is back, then I am so happy for you, but I'm just not, I'm not doing it. Just not. So I, I really do think that you are joking though. I, I hope that you totally are because you, the whole story doesn't make any sense. So you're before work and you got to, you know, and then your paint pot is just like, you're doing it over your paint table. And then your paint pot is open, and w would you just aim for it? I, 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 no, actually, Arnie, I don't want to know. I don't know, don't need any more details from this story, but I do appreciate you writing in, and let's, for the record, so that any new listeners to the show don't think that all of our readers or our listeners are like this, let's just say, yes, Arnie, that was a funny joke, and we'll just leave it at that, and we will never, ever discuss <laughs> 
We will never, ever discuss this ever again, okay? This is like an American Pie situation where we found the pie, you were caught red-handed, it's super awkward, and we're just going to pretend it didn't happen. Okay. Well, you can find me at, pimp, at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron. And I would prefer if we had no more recipes for hobby stuff involving bodily fluids. By the way, it is a bodily fluid and it is organic or uh, I should say, you know, made made of living material. And it's probably going to spoil Imagine putting cottage cheese or milk or anything in your paint and mixing it. It's probably going to spoil. If this, if this has any truth to it, I would throw out that paint. Want that or want that not? Hey everybody, it's Want That or Want That Not with the Pimp Cron, and today we are discussing the Cadia Stans Astra Militarum Army set. So for $200 USD, which of course is like 130 pounds or something stupid, because even though our exchange rate is identical now, like a one for one, they're still hosing us on the price. But, but whatever, this is actually, this issue is sticking in my crawl harder and harder every time I see a price. And I'm like, oh yeah, I could just save 50 fucking bucks by, you know, being British or European where the pounds and the, uh, uh whatever, it's just... Anyway, despite all of that, um, it has the new Cadian stuff, right? It's got the new special edition hardback uh, rule book. It's got the data cards. It's got Cadian transfer sheet. I love how they even count the Cadian transfer sheet as like a thing, like a bonus thing, because Space Marines have come with transfer sheets since the dawn of time, practically. And they never made that like, oh, look, 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 it's more value. This kind of reminds me of when you buy a car. And it's like steering wheel under features. <laughs> like, well, no shit. Yeah, it's got a steering wheel. Thank you. Is that something I could have opted out of? Whatever. Anyway, uh, they have the data cards and the uh, codex. And then it comes with one Cadian command squad comprised of five models. 20 Cadian shock troops, which is what they call their infantry now. One armored sentinel, which can be built as a scout sentinel. And two ordnance teams. So an ordnance team is like a heavy, heavy weapon squad, if that makes any sense. And let's take a look at those models real quick. So one thing you're getting, it looks like a traditional howitzer cannon. And it looks pretty cool. These things are definitely chunkier than the heavy weapon squads. And I'm sure they're more points and more hit points and all of that. I like how they have a little jack in front for stability. Like they actually jack it up off its tires a little. I love that. It's a great touch and it adds a little more realism to it. And they've got um, various things lying around like ammo stuff. And uh, I like that a lot. Let's take a look at one of the other options. I don't know if this is all the options or not. But the other one is like a Hellfire cannon. It's got, um, what, uh, six 12 cannon tubes on it. And it looks like it's either anti-air or maybe it's an ordnance thing. I don't know personally, but judging by the model, it looks really neat. And it's got a crew, one guy man in it, one guy's like the, uh, the spotter. And they just look really neat. Uh, what else do they have here? So that's the two builds that it shows. So maybe this is the only two ways you can build this kit. I truly don't know. But that's what it shows. Then you've got a color guard guy. And he looks like a, a dude. He's standing there. He's holding the flag. Looks good, I guess. 
Then you've got a sergeant with a power fist. And I have to say, at this juncture, I am really digging this new redesign of the Cadians. I know some people have mentioned it to me. Some people are waiting for my opinion on it. And I do like the Cadian redesign. I think they are more realistic. They're less cartoony. And it reminds me of a combination of Starship Troopers and the Captain America uniform from the Marvel movies. It's like a combination of that. It's got cloth. It's got armor. It's got straps. Um, I like the little metal knee pads. And they're an interesting take on knee pads because they don't have a band going behind your knee. It's just like a metal plate. I really like it a lot. I think these guys look really cool. Am I going to get these? No, I already have Guardsmen, so I'm, I'm not going to be getting these. But uh, they do look neat. And the Power Fist looks more realistic. It's less gigantic. You know, it's like a big baseball mitten now, but it's not like a humongous thing that he has on his arm. There's also a... I don't know what he is. He almost looks like a commissar, but they didn't list a commissar in the description. So I guess he's part of the command squad. He looks like a commissar. He's got a trench coat. He's holding his helmet. He's got a power sword. He looks cool, too. I like that they've kept... They've they've really just updated the motif of the Cadians on this. And I really do like them. Their proportions seem like they're more realistic. And they're less cartoony. They're less chunky. I do know that they're a little taller. Like, uh, half a head taller than the old guardsmen. But that's just the typical scale creep. It's really nothing to be upset about. And let's look at the generic... Um, what do they call them now? Shock Troopers? Is that what they call Guardsmen? They're called, uh, yeah, Shock Troopers. I'm like, okay, whatever. I guess Guardsmen was too generic for you. Although Shock Troopers not much better. These guys, this guy's got like a uh, regular hat, like a baseball hat. Looks cool. And a chain sword. He must be the sergeant of the group. And I really like the World War II, or is it World War One? I? I think it's World War One Doughboy style, uh... I don't even know what you call them. They're like ankle leather things that go under your heel of your boot and around your ankle. Anyway, it's a really cool look, and he's got a holstered pistol. I really am like, there's nothing I can really complain about for these models. I like them a lot. Up until this exact moment, I really had not paid any attention to the Cadian models, because I already have Cadian models, so I'm not in the, you know, mood for more of them. But these are looking really good. Even the um, the Flamer guy is really cool. He's got a mask over his face, and he's got the new updated suit. I mean, nothing particularly to write home about, but I do like it. Looks really good. And finally, we're getting to the heavy, or the armored Sentinel. This armored Sentinel looks way cooler than the old Sentinel model. And I have, what, 12 Sentinel models between heavy and scout, because I always love Sentinels. And uh, this this guy does look beefy. I would not be surprised if they've got more hit points now or a better save or something. He looks he looks like a chonk is what he looks like. He's a chonky boy. And this I assume the smaller version is the Scout Sentinel. I'm assuming. And uh, I like how the front of it it looks like the door of it as well. And uh, I don't know. I think there is nothing at all to complain about these models. They're they're great. Now, I have a problem with the $200 price tag. I'm sure when you count the codex and the models and the data cards and all of that, most of the stuff I don't even want or need, yes, I'm sure it's some sort of deal. But then when you talk about the exchange rate, oh, well, now it's it's a real shit deal is what it is. But whatever. These models are really cool. Am I buying this box set? Absolutely not. There's nothing in here that I even need or want. I do like the new look of the Cadians. 
not enough to sell what I have and, you know, go get more. Um, so that's not going to happen. But I do like the new helmets. I do like the knee pads and all the new features to them. Uh, they also have a lot of cool poses for their uh, shock troops now. And uh, a lot of them are in different unique poses versus the just randomly holding a gun, randomly holding a gun. It's it's not that interesting in the past, but um, it's it's pretty cool now. So, uh, it is a want that not for me, but not because the models are bad. It's just that I have all of this stuff already. Of course, I don't have the new heavy weapon squads, the heavy, heavy weapon squads, but I probably will pick those up, but not through this box set. So it is for this box set. It's a want that not for every one of these models. It is actually a want that. So you can take that however you want, but these, these prices are still getting under my skin, people. All right, I will see you in the next. Oh, God, here comes the music. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Well, 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 you made it to the Real Talk with the Pentcron, and today I wanted to discuss the really cool chaos board that we made this year for Shorehammer. And hopefully you want to hear how it was made. It's actually pretty simple, but a lot of work went into it. Just because something is simple doesn't mean it did not take quite a bit of cost and labor and things like that. So I'm sure if you've ever watched Dragon Ball Z or you've watched some sort of anime where the ground like pulls like chunks of the ground pull up and it's flat on top, but it's basically like an upside down mountain. Um, a lot of the Illumineth Realm Lord stuff looks kind of like that. You know, where the guy is uh, situated on the little chunk of earth and it's kind of pointed at the bottom. Well, that's basically what I want to do for a Chaos Realm board for this year's Shorehammer. And every year I try to have a special board for Shorehammer that is unique or something of that nature. Last year we had a cave system, a cave network, and that was pretty neat. And uh, we also had a, a beachfront where it was like a, an aquatic assault, kind of. And, um, it was, we try to do something unique every year. Uh, the very first year of Shorehammer, we had a big Coliseum. We also had an underground vertical board, essentially like a Necromunda board. We had that, we made that, and, um, we've used that several years, but we have not brought it in, I think this is the third year. And I try to take some of this terrain and I want to like give it a break so people forget about it and then bring it back another year, that sort of thing. But all the while build my repertoire of terrain that I can bring and use all sorts of different effects and vibes for the different boards. And if you bring them back every couple years rather than use it every single year, nobody really gets bored with it, and then they will think fondly on it and go, oh, I remember that. I remember the vertical board. Stuff like that. So we used the vertical board two or three years in a row, and then I decided, you know what, we're going to give it a break. So this year, the big deal was the floating sky islands is what it was. And basically what I had as a vision was a bunch of flat-topped islands that essentially look like a mountain, but flipped upside down, where it's got a peak at the bottom. And I wanted them elevated, truly elevated, not something where 
oh, we're just going to pretend it's elevated or something like that. I really wanted a verticality that you don't often see in Warhammer 40k or Age of Sigmar because we're actually using this board for both of them. It was so cool. It was so fun to make. And it's a really pretty board. Um, I figured, well, it is Demon. We can use it for the AOS big battle narrative and the 40k big battle narrative. So it's going to get plenty of use. And it was not super cheap to make, although for the amount of cool factor and effect that we got out of it, I think it's pretty much a bargain. So what started as a dream suddenly became a plan. I have to figure out what I'm going to make this stuff out of, and it's got to be durable, it's got to be lightweight, and I've got to figure out a way for it to be suspended over the board. So the first thing I thought of, of course, like anybody would, is pink foam board. Okay, well, I'm going to carve this out of pink foam board, but I have a real problem with pink foam board for commercial applications, and a convention basically is a commercial application. I don't know what Nova's situation is now, but I recall years years past seeing their posts, and Nova used almost all foam terrain, and then they had to repair it every year because it will naturally get dinged up, even if you're really careful, and the pink sh shines through and all of that. So I've always tried very hard to steer away from foam terrain. That's why I have... Uh, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of GameMat.eu terrain, that's resin, and we have a ton of Panhandle 3D terrain, that's, that's you know, 3D printed plastic, and um, I had another friend print me 3D printed plastic, and stuff like that, so we have all hard, durable things. The one thing we don't have is MDF, and MDF is durable, but it can get banged up. And if you're doing this for your table at home, then pink foam is no problem at all. Like, you're not transporting it anywhere. It's going to just sit there on the table. It'll be perfectly fine. It probably won't even get banged up, right? But if you are a convention, that means that you are transporting table, I mean, dozens and dozens of tables worth of terrain to and from a hotel. You're loading it in the box you're transporting it to the hotel, then you're unloading it out of the box, you've got a bunch of strangers play on it for four days at Shorehammer, then you put it back in the box, and then you transport it back to where you store it, and there's a lot of opportunity for these things to get dinged up. So that's why we don't use foam terrain. There's absolutely nothing wrong with foam terrain. I think there's a, a lot of fantastic things people make with foam, foam terrain, but you have to understand that the commercial application of it is just not... I mean, it is doable, because Nova and a bunch of other places have done it with foam terrain, but for me, I want the durability, so that makes it not something I'm interested in. Um, so, quickly we discovered that anything we're going to make this out of, short of 3D printing, is going to be too heavy or too fragile. Obviously, there's no such thing as an MDF mountain we could build out of, right? And uh, the foam board, I thought, would be too, possibly too weak to handle the weight of the models, but also too damageable, if that's a word. Is damageable a word? I'm not sure. We'll have to check on that. But we realized that 3D printing was the way to go. So I've got my friend TJ, and I said, you know, I want to find a mountain, and I'm going to get you to print it, and I'm just going to use the mountain upside down. Well, he said, okay, find the STL, and I'll do it. So I looked around, look, 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 and could not find one. And I was like, darn it, I can't find an STL mountain. But after thinking about it, I'm like, well, what if, I know he can resize things for the STL files, what if I found like a cluster of crystals or rocks, and normally these things, 
the file we used actually was like three inches in diameter, like very, very small, just a little fluff piece of uh, garnishment on your board. And I did find one. I found a little uh, crystal cluster. So I asked TJ, I was like, hey, TJ, can you blow this up big enough to have models on it? And because of obviously the size of his printer bed and all of that, he only could go, I don't know, maybe eight inches by eight inches or something like that. Maybe it was a foot by a foot, but it certainly was not. When you're talking about a round-ish base to this crystal cluster, it did not work out the way I had hoped it would because it was obviously rounded corners. So then you have even that much less space to put models on. And then if you put any objectives there or if you put any terrain feet, it just was not big enough. So TJ ended up splitting the STL file four ways, and he'd print them in four corners. Now, my board has four very large, they're over a foot across, I don't know how, why they're 18 inches or so across, four very large sky islands, and then four smaller sky islands that were his original size, his eight inches by eight inches, I think it is. And they're just one piece, and the big ones were four pieces. So I got him to print those for me, and as he's printing them, I realized, man, I gotta put these on, like, dowel rods or something like that. Here comes my next decision. My next decision is, I want this to be as visually impressive as possible, because a lot of people are gonna be looking at it, and a little bit of the spectacle is the fun part of a convention. So I started looking at acrylic, and I found that I could buy acrylic rods of any diameter on eBay, about a foot long, and you can also buy them different lengths, too, but I needed about a foot long, and... The large ones, each one of the stems for the big islands were like $20 a piece for me. So you're talking about 80 bucks for each stem. The smaller stems were two for 20. So you're talking, and I needed four of those. So we're talking about, what, $120 for this. And then I had to buy the different, like, what am I going to make the base out of? Well, I decided, okay, I'm going to buy 12 inch by 12 inch um, clear plexiglass squares, about a quarter of an inch. And I'm going to buy these and I'm going to drill a hole in it for the clear glass rod to go into the base of it. So that's what we did. We ended up buying, I don't recall the price of them, but you're probably talking close to a hundred dollars for eight 12 by 12 bases. Then I realized that, well, my eight inch ones don't need a 12 inch base. So what I can do is cut two inches off of either side and make them just 10 inches across. And then that gives me two inch by two inch squares that I can actually put around the base of the rod. Because if you're thinking about this, the weight of this whole island and the miniatures and the terrain that's on top of it, then it's got almost nothing to grab on as far as stability from wiggling left to right or slanting. So what I did was we cut, uh, my father helped me with all this because, you know, we used his table saws and all that. And um, we had like a father-son project where we cut all these bases and we had to uh, cut the squares for stacking and we drilled a hole for the size of the rod through the stack of uh, two inch by two inch blocks. So all in all, they have like maybe an inch and a half of base that's going up the clear acrylic rod. And that gives it a ton of stability. Then I ended up super gluing all of that together and sandwiching it together. So the big ones have like a 12 by 12 base. The small ones have a 10 by 10 base. But they're very, very uh, durable and uh, stable. But the next problem we ran into after I glued all four pieces of the big ones together is that now I have to take a Dremel 
and dremel out the hole for the center rod. And God knows, think about it, if it's four corners, four pieces to this pie, the very center, of course, is where all of them meet. So there's a bunch of exterior sides, not filler, but exterior sides where they all meet. So dremeling that turned out to be a real pain in the butt. And uh, my father and I dremeled it out, and we ended up having to epoxy the rods in there. That was not my initial goal. Ideally, I would love to have been able to pull the clear rods out of the islands, stack the bases, stack the rods, and stack the islands, and then you'd be able to store it really easy. Unfortunately, that was not in the cards, because we did not think of like having TJ pre-put a, a cup or a holder for the rod in the bottom of the island. But mid-project, I did have that thought, or maybe it was TJ's thought, I don't recall, and I was like, hey, why don't you build a cup that would be the perfect size for the rod, and then we could just shove the rod in the island, and then it's no problem, I don't have to worry about dremeling it or whatever, and for the second half of the islands, that's exactly what he did, and it worked out great. The small islands fit perfectly, I ended up epoxying them anyway for stability, but the big ones were just slightly larger than the rod. But it didn't matter. I ended up epoxying them anyway because we had already epoxied the other half of the islands. So at this juncture, they might as well just all be epoxied because it's not really that helpful. And also, the very, very slight wiggle in the cup from around the acrylic rod, that was enough to make it seem very unstable, even though it was extremely stable. But it just seemed like it. And I didn't want people putting their models up there and being on edge or being uncertain of how stable this was. So I wanted everything to be super nice and tight. So that's basically what we did. I put the four pieces together. I epoxied them together. And then we epoxied the rods in there. We cut the rods to length because the islands look a lot better if they're different heights, right? So we had variable heights. And the... um. Then we cut the bases and all of that and glued it all together. So that's what we did. We primed it black and then we dry brushed it gray and then we dry brushed it again with a white to make it look like rock. And that is how we made the Sky Islands for this year's Shorehammer. Any of you who are coming to this year's Shorehammer, uh, you should be extremely impressed by what I've done. And I'm, I'm just here to tell you that you will be impressed. And if you aren't, then you can get the hell out of my convention. No, I'm kidding. You can stay. Jeez. Anyway, hopefully you will be impressed by it. So that's how we made it. And that's the end of the story. Thank you for listening to the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast. And thank you to GameAt.eu for supporting the show and Panhandle3D.com for supporting the show and the beautiful, sexy, good smell of Patreon, Patreon. I will see you next week.